Stroud watching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown, Smith and Jigba. Are you kidding me? Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. Kansas sits alone atop the Big 12 standings, Rocky Tops Redemption, and the Miami Hurricanes look more like a tropical depression. Now that September's over, it's time to hand out the September Heisman and play contender or pretender as we preview the college football landscape going forward. This is the Saturday Cadence Podcast presented by the Silver Bulletin. Blake Biscardi and Dave Wertheim with you. Dave, I want to get started with your thoughts on a few notable upsets on Saturday. Earlier in the year, you professed your love for Miami but it looks like the Hurricanes catfished everybody so far. So how far behind schedule does that loss to Middle Tennessee State set the program back in your eyes? Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't call me out right off the bat, but I probably deserve it for that one. I was very high on Miami entering the year. I professed my love for them, you know, in our first couple of shows when the season was was a little younger than it is now. And, you know, it was disappointing to see as someone who had championed them for a while, um, but at the same time, you know, it, it does show where Miami's at as a program right now. You know, maybe their their ranking obviously was unjustified. Um, and it just seems like they're a little farther behind than we thought. You know, Mario Cristobal did a wonderful job at Oregon. We'll see what he can do now in, in his uh, native state, you know, where he's from, Miami. Um, I wouldn't, you know, write him off, certainly. Um, I still think this is a team that will go to a bowl game. I still think this is a team that will improve throughout the year. Um, but obviously it, it's fair to say right now that they're not even close to, you know, being a contender, um, not just in the conference or in the country, you know, maybe not even winning their own division. So I think that Miami is, is it's not time to panic yet, but you just got to realize it's, it's not going to be this year. Yeah. I have a follow-up with that too. Tyler Van Dyke received a lot of preseason hype, like, Oh, he might be in the Heisman conversation. I, mean, I took part in that as well. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's in a good system. But the offense has not looked like what we thought it was going to look like. So do you see the offense as being a Josh Gaddis problem or a Mario Cristobal problem? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Josh Gaddis, of course, won the Broyles Award last year while at Michigan for being the nation's top assistant coach. Um, and, you know, they crushed Ohio State just by running a pretty simple offense. Um, and they had their best season in decades. Um, I'm confident that, that they'll right the ship. Like I said, it's not going to be yet. But I think it will come eventually. Um, you know, we've, we've seen several other coaches now. Mike Norvell at Florida State, who's put together a much better season this year than he had in the past when he was on the hot seat. You know, we've seen guys improve over time. Um, and I think that that's going to be the case here. I think uh, Mario Cristobal will have them winning at some point. It's just not time yet. Um, as for the offense, um, like, I think it just needs to gel. It needs to mesh. It's a new system. Again, first year, first year for those guys working together. I know they worked a little bit at Alabama in the past, um, but first year as head coach and, and offensive coordinator. So give it time. Don't put too much stock into it right now. It's obviously a crushing loss. You can't lose to Middle Tennessee State at home if you're Miami. You just can't do it. Um, so that loss will sting for a while. Um, but, you know, I think there, there's there's some life, at, life ahead, light at the end of the tunnel. Um, just I guess there's going to have to be a little more patient than they thought. 
yeah, not every system change is going to go like Lincoln Riley at USC where that offense is already clicking. So there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be bumps in the road. And I think we're just experiencing the growing pains in Miami right now. I'm confident Mario Cristobal will write that ship, whether or not it's with Josh Gaddis. But I trust him as a coach, and I think he's going to do well there. He's been recruiting very well so far. So I like where Miami's headed. It's just they're not going to be there this year. But I do agree they'll make a bowl game. But next, I want to move into Oklahoma and Texas. There are two teams moving to the SEC here in a couple of seasons. Oklahoma's been owned by Kansas State, it seems like, in the last four years with uh, the Wildcats winning three of the last four matchups. But what do you make of the Sooners and Longhorns both losing last weekend and the state of the Big 12? Yeah, well, now the Big 12 is wide open, right? Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma, probably not Texas anymore with two losses, although they could still win the conference, I suppose. Texas Tech now has to be in the conversation at least. Um, So I think the Big 12 is open for business, and I think it'll be fun to watch down the stretch. Um, As for Texas and Oklahoma specifically, um, for Texas, I think the loss is a little more forgivable. Um, Texas Tech at home, you know, new head coach who's a Texas legend. Um, and has really rallied his corner of the state. Um, and then, of course, Quinn Ewers not playing. Bijan Robinson, really tough play there at the end with the fumble. Um, but I think the loss for Texas is a little more forgivable than the loss for Oklahoma, you know, coming at home um, against a team that, yeah, they, they needed to beat because they've been owned by them in the past. Like you said, you know, this was a game that Oklahoma should have been up for, a game that they know, like, hey, these guys play us tough every single year. Um, and it just didn't appear that they were ready. The defense really struggled. Um, so I think Oklahoma's loss is a real, real, real heartbreaker for them. Um, it really hurts their playoff chances, obviously, unless they can run the table here. They have no shot. Um, and that that one's going to sting a little more in Norman, especially with the momentum that Brent Venables had early in the season. Yeah, we were just singing Oklahoma's praises last week, saying, wow, they look legit and they could be a playoff contender. And we were kind of giving the Big 12 a spot there in the playoff. But now uh, I think – I really think Oklahoma's in a struggle point here with Brent Venables after that loss because now he has to regain that momentum he just lost. So they're going to need to find a way to get that back. And they have Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, and he's very capable. But they need to beat Texas coming up here in a couple of weeks. But elsewhere in the Big 12 – Kansas and Lance Leipold, what a job he's doing so far this year. He's the culture-building coach. He would be an interesting fit at a place like Nebraska or Wisconsin if that job were to open up. I saw some rumor of people calling for Paul Chris to be out there, but we don't need to get into that at this moment. But Kansas, I think the Jayhawks should be ranked. I'm not sure if you're in that same camp, but I think it's a disservice by the AP voters to not have the Jayhawks ranked this week. Kansas is fun, man. They're just fun. You know, they've been so bad for so long. You can't help but root for them. Um, it's fun that they're 4-0. You know, hopefully they can at the very least make a bowl game. Um, that would be a big step in the right direction. And, yeah, Lance Leipold has been unbelievable for them. You know, they tried the big splash hire last time with Les Miles before that, David Beatty, um, another lesser-known lesser, lesser known coach. Um, and this time they, they kind of went out and got a guy who wanted to be there. And I think that really made a difference. You know, I don't know if Les Miles – really wanted to be uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, but, you know, Lance Leipold does, and he's been really good for him. Um, and I think that down the stretch here, you're going to see Kansas try and ride this wave and continue their momentum. You know, I don't know if they're, they're not going to roll over anymore. You know, it's just unbelievable to think about that Kansas now is sitting 4-0 with a realistic shot to potentially win the Big 12. 
Yeah, they sit atop the standings all alone. And I was listening to Pete Thamel the other day, and he put out this statistic that someone told him Kansas was favored last week against Duke by a touchdown. That was the first time they were favored in a game since 2009 wow. against an FBS opponent, which that just kind of speaks to they've been down for so long, and here they are. They're like America's team right now. Everybody's rooting for the Jayhawks. So they've, they've been a fun team. And, they yeah. are, absolutely. I mean, you know, with them and, and Appalachian State and some of these other teams, James Madison with a big comeback the other day against Appalachian State, you know, there's some fun football being played here and from some teams you don't usually hear about. So it's pretty exciting what's going on in Lawrence right now. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a great September to start the season. And another team that kind of came back down to earth, although they didn't get upset, was Michigan. They finally played some real competition. After you watch that game, what do you make of the Wolverines now? They've played a formidable opponent, albeit one of the better Big Ten teams, especially offensively. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if that fumble on the head bounce on the opening kickoff goes Maryland's way instead of Michigan getting a touchdown out of it, um, you know, this game might have really, you know, been something. Um, Michigan, I think, will be fine, honestly, in the long term. Um, you know, you're going to have these struggles. The competition they played the first three weeks was just so weak. Um, you know, all the metrics have showed it. We've talked about it on the show. Their schedule was just terrible. So now the first real team they played, yeah, you're going to get knocked off your rocks a little bit there. Um, but I think Michigan will be fine. We'll settle down, um, kind of lock it in for the long term. I think they're a good football team, very talented. Um, and I think they'll continue the momentum. A win is a win. That's how you got to look at it sometimes. And I think, uh, you know, Michigan will be fine long term. Yeah, they're definitely one of the top four teams in the country, and in, in my opinion as well. And, and Jim Harbaugh has right of the ship and Ann Arbor. And I trust that offense. They have a lot of weapons. And J.J. McCarthy, that was really his first start against a real team. So you saw him have some growing pains in that game, but he's going to be fine, and he's going to continue to improve as the year progresses. And Blake Corum in the backfield, I mean, what a safety net to have. Rushed for, I think, five touchdowns. He he was incredible, and I think he's playing his way into the Heisman conversation, even in uh, Donovan Everett's absence. I mean, that backfield's extremely dynamic. So they have a lot of weapons, and the defense is still good enough to do what they need to do. So I trust the Wolverines going forward as well. I still like them to be undefeated going into Columbus later in the year. Yeah, and you mentioned Blake Corum, actually. That kind of made me think of something here. You know, I was watching the Ohio State game on Saturday, and they were talking about how good the running backs are in the Big Ten this year. And it really is unbelievable. I mean, you've got Corum, you've got Travion Henderson and Maya Williams at OSU. Nicholas Singleton might be the tr best true freshman in the country at Penn State. Muhammad Ibrahim has been around a while. Uh, Braylon Allen, of course, at Wisconsin. It's pretty, pretty crazy to think about just how good the running backs are in the Big Ten this year, Blake. Yeah, they've been phenomenal this year, and I think that's definitely the strength of the Big Ten Conference, even in spite of having some of these teams like Iowa and Wisconsin having down years. You've got studs in the backfield everywhere, and it just speaks to that power football brand that's played in the Big Ten. And it's really exciting to watch, and as we continue into conference play, it's going to be a big storyline of who can win these games and if, how you can grind out those football games behind their big offensive lines. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch, you know, big 10 football is its own animal um, always built around a strong running game. It just seems like this year, you know, it's, it's better than it has been in the past. And it's exciting to watch. Absolutely. And now that September is behind us, I want to, I know you just said, you know, the big 10 is its own animal. It has some premier running backs in my estimation. It's not been the best conference in the country so far. I think it's very top heavy for sure. I mean, it has 
two elite teams, at least one elite team and a great team in Ohio State and Michigan. And then you see Minnesota and, and Penn State, they're on the rise. But what conference has been the best to you so far from top to bottom? I think it's, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I think you got to give it to the SEC right now. Um, they have some marquee out-of-conference wins, of course, Georgia blasting Oregon, Arkansas beating Cincinnati, Florida over Utah. Um, they have some pretty good out-of-conference wins. Um, and top to bottom, I think you got to go with the SEC. Obviously, there's a lot of teams that have struggled, uh, Missouri, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, to name a few. Um, but you can look at that at every conference. You know, there's, there's several of those in every conference. So I think right now, SEC will probably get two teams in with Bama and Georgia, at least as of right now. Um, and I think you got to give it to the SEC here in the early going. Yeah. And I want to look at who we would hand out the September Heisman Trophy to. And when we consider these options, one of the interesting ones is I was looking around the country and who we could consider here is at Washington. How about Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. kind of resurrecting his career? He played extremely well in 2019 for Indiana. You know, they almost came back and upset Ohio State in the horseshoe if they're coming back from being down almost 35 points. He he looks incredible at Washington in that system. And he's got the Huskies contending for the Pac-12 and a conference that they could very well win. And I know we'll get to that in a minute, but who would you hand out the September Heisman Trophy to right now? Yeah, you know, I think it's got to be C.J. Stroud right now. Um, for my money, you know, he's the betting favorite. Um, he's been the best player in college football this year. Some of the throws that he makes are just unbelievable. You know, he's a guy who's clearly going to be playing on Sunday. Um, and I think that as of right now, you, you have to give it to C.J. Stroud. Um, he's got to be, you know, obviously the, the number one choice. Um, but, you know, there's really no other option right now that has surpassed him in my mind. I agree. Hendon Hooker, he's been fun. And Michael Penix Jr., he's been good. Blake Corm's been great. Bryce Young's been good. Not as at the level of last year, but I agree. It has to be C.J. Stroud. He has been absolutely precise with the football this year. And he's just playing a different level than all the other quarterbacks right now from my vantage point. And you look at the Buckeye schedule, the way that it sets up, and it continues to be favorable, all the weapons at his disposal. And I, all I see is his stock continuing to rise as the year goes on, even if Jackson Smith and Jigman does not return uh, this season. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, Stroud, you know, lost his number one receiver. They struggled a little bit against Notre Dame in that game. But after that, it's been smooth sailing, and he has carved up every defense he's faced uh, pretty much right from the opening snap. Um, so for him to be able to do that without Smith and Jigba, they were missing Fleming for that first game. He's obviously come back and been a big part of their offense since. But Stroud's really made it work with guys like Kate Stover, his tight end. Obviously, that receiver room is still very talented. Mayan Williams has had some nice catches this season. Uh, the walk-on, Xavier Johnson, has been a big part of their offense. Uh, so Strauss making it work with everybody, and that's something that Ryan Day wanted, uh, wanted him to do coming into the offseason, build a relationship with these younger guys. Um, obviously, Strauss probably won't be, won't be around next year, but it's still good to build it for the rest of this season, and hopefully you know, he can carry the Buckeyes deep into the season and into a national championship. Yeah, and college football has become a dynamic quarterback sport where you have to have that elite quarterback play to win a national championship. The only anomaly being Georgia last year with Stetson Bennett being an above-average quarterback, but nothing special, but just having that generational defense. But Ohio State has the offensive line in place. They have the receivers in place. They have the running backs. So they check all the boxes to help elevate C.J. Stroud into that Heisman conversation even beyond his own talents. He has all the weapons around him to make things happen in the games. 
and he's been really just on a different level this year, and it's been fun to watch so far. Yeah, yeah, it's really been fun to watch, and you knew him coming back this year would mean another year of basically what they did last year, a lot of highlights, big plays. Um, you know, they haven't really taken as many down-the-field shots so far yet, um, but just to see their offense operate, it's almost like a work of art. I mean, really, just the way that they're carving up these defenses. Yeah, Ryan Day's having a lot of fun calling plays, and he's reestablished himself as the top play caller in the sport, in my opinion. But I want to kind of move around now and give a precursor to our next segment. Tennessee, Minnesota, and Washington. Do you see those teams as legitimate threats to win their conferences as of right now? I think Tennessee is the best of the three and the least likely to win their conference. I think they're just in a bad spot. They're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to win the conference. They might beat everybody else, but they're not beating Georgia. Um, I like Tennessee. I like what they're doing over there. Hendon Hooker's been phenomenal, but unfortunately they just can't win their conference. I think Georgia's in the way. Um, Minnesota, kind of similarly, they're going to win the West division. I think, you know, they've got to be the favorite as of now. They got to get by Wisconsin. Who's always a, a threat to rally and, you know, win out. Um, Minnesota could get to Indy pretty easily, but I don't think they beat whoever comes out of the East, you know, whether it's Ohio state, Michigan, or even Penn state, I don't think that they're going to beat whoever comes out of the East. Um, Washington, you know, Pac-12 is open. Michael Penix has been great. They got some really good talented players over there. Caleb DeBoer doing a really nice job there um, who worked with Penix at, at Indiana, of course. And I think that marriage is continuing to work out well. Um, so I think Washington's got a, probably the best chance of the three to win the conference. Um, you know, Tennessee is probably the best team, like I said, but I think Washington's got the best chance. That's the right take for sure. I agree with you that Washington has the best chance to win their conference of that group, although they may be the weakest team. But if you really break down Tennessee and Minnesota schedules, they're completely the opposite. Minnesota avoids Ohio State and Michigan in crossover games, and then they only have to play Penn State. I know that's the whiteout game, but if they only drop one Big Ten game, they still win the West, and then they go to Indy. But there's no reason Minnesota couldn't be 11-1 in Indianapolis. 10-2 and would seem more likely if they're going to get to double-digit wins because I don't know if they could run the table there. I know um, Tanner Morgan's been there for a while, so they have that veteran quarterback, which is going to be crucial heading into state college in that hostile environment. But then if you look at Tennessee, they've got a they've got it rough. They've got Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. And I Alabama has Texas AM the week before. So just as a word of caution to Alabama fans, that would be the game I would circle. If Tennessee is going to get someone, it would set up the best to get Alabama, but taking down Bama is a giant. You know that you'd have to play perfect. I know you're at home. And the upset potential is there. I don't think they get Georgia either just because of it's going to be in Athens. It's they're, they're just not going to win that game on the road. But I think if you're looking at an upset potential that Tennessee could get Alabama and then be sitting there at the end of the season at 11 and one with the only loss being to Georgia as a non-champion. Yeah. I don't think they beat Bama. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I think Bama is just still too good. Um, but, you know, I could see a 10 and two finish for Tennessee and, and make it a new year six game for sure. as the third best team in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. And now I want to get into our next segment. Let's do a little contender or pretender. I'm going to take teams outside of the top four. So we're not going to talk about Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan in this segment. First team I've got on my list here is Clemson. Do you think the Tigers are a contender or a pretender? They are a contender. Winning that game against Wake Forest solidified that for me. I know it was close. I know it was tough. 
Um, but a good team wins those games and a bad team doesn't, right? That's just how it goes there at the end. Um, so Clemson, in my mind, is a contender until they prove us otherwise. I'm with you. I was on the fence with Clemson. I saw the way they battled in that game and how DJU has gradually improved as the season's gone on so far. And this week they have NC State. They have them at home. I think that's a game that they win. I think they blow them at home, honestly. Yeah, Clemson is trending in the right direction so far. Even if they slip up, I still think they win the ACC because of the conference they play in. I have the Tigers as a contender as well. But uh, next on my list is USC. What do you make of the Trojans? Well, they're a Pac-12 contender, but I don't think they're a national championship contender, even if they found their way into the playoffs. Um, they're, they're a good team. They're not a great team. Um, interested to see how their season unfolds. Got tested there by Oregon State um, in a game that really went down to the wire. Um, but again, that's a game that good teams find a way to win on the road. You know, Jonathan Smith doing a great job there at Oregon State. They look really good, but, you know, it's a, that's a game that good teams win and bad teams don't. So um, USC, I, I think they're good. I just don't think they're good enough. Uh, for the four teams in the, in the playoff right now, plus Clemson. Yeah, USC played that game against Oregon State about as we expected last week. I know we mentioned it toward the end of the show in our picks segment, but uh, I'm a, I agree with you. I think they can contend and win the Pac-12. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think they're playoff ready yet, especially to win a national championship. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, they would all push USC around on the line of scrimmage. They just need to beef up those two units and then strengthen the core of that defense for them to get to that next level. But for right now, they're going in the right direction. But in terms of the playoff and a national championship, I say USC is a pretender. But if we continue down the list, Oklahoma, we touched on them earlier in the show, a disappointing loss to Kansas State in a game they should have been up for given recent history. You have the Sooners as a contender or a pretender right now? Well, they're a pretender. Well, they're neither right now, I think. Um, we know who they are. You know, they just lost to Kansas State. We know who they are. Um, you know, they're a team that still might win their conference, but they're, they're not going to um, hang with any of the big boys this year. Um, I don't see them, even with just one loss, I don't see them sneaking into the playoff in any way. I think that two SEC teams would get in before them and maybe two Big Ten teams if Ohio State and Michigan, um, you know, one finishes undefeated, the other finishes with one loss. Um, so we'll see what happens with Oklahoma. I don't think they're a contender or a pretender right now. I think they just are who they are. Yeah, that, that's about spot on with Oklahoma there. Just given what we saw, there's flashes of brilliance, but they came back down to earth after that loss with Kansas State, and they need to rebound. And we'll see how they do that. So I'm not ready to say that they're a contender. I think they're a pretender right now. The transfer portal really decimated that roster, although it's been refilled with quality guys. But that's a lot of different pieces to have to gel in order to be a legitimate contender. They can get that ship rolling by the end of November. But as of right now, I've got the Sooners as a pretender. And earlier in the show, you mentioned Mike Norvell and the job he's doing in Tallahassee. What do you make of the Seminoles right now? Can Florida State actually be a contender, at least in the ACC? I don't think they're ready yet. Um they're another team kind of like Tennessee is this year. You know, I could see Florida state maybe doing that next year, um, you know, having a good season this year and, and rolling with that to a great season next year. Um, I like what Mike Norvell's doing. I'm glad that somebody is once again, having some success at Florida state. I hope it works out. Some of those are fun to watch. Uh, we'll see what happens with them the rest of the year. I don't think they win the ACC or really come close. I think they'll have probably two more losses by the time the end of the season rolls around. Um, but I like Florida State. Um, I just don't think they're there yet. 
Yeah, they've got Wake Forest this week, and they're favored by seven. So that'll be a telling game. It'll be a good evaluator. Uh, it's in Tallahassee, and we just saw Clemson play Wake Forest last week. So we'll get to compare notes after this weekend and really get a better picture of what Florida State is. It's hard to judge off of that win over LSU because it was Brian Kelly's first game. They had some issues, a couple injuries there. They grinded out a win. It was a great momentum boost to start the season. They're sitting at 4-0. and They've got Clemson and NC State uh, in their next two games here. I think that the Seminoles could pull off an upset in one of those two games. Clemson's the game that's at home, so you would think that it's more likely there. But I think them upsetting NC State would be the more likely scenario. I think they could find a way to win the ACC. I'm not confident in saying that, so I'm going to label them as a pretender right now. Yeah, I think that's the right take. They're, they're on their way, but I don't think they'll beat Clemson. I do think they can beat NC State. I don't think they'll beat Clemson. Um, and we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, I think they give Clemson a competitive game, but I think in the fourth quarter, that's where Clemson's depth takes over. But another team that's really surprised us this year, and they were due for a rebound is Penn State. And they're sitting at 4-0. They've gone into two hostile environments in Ross-Aid Stadium at Purdue and down in Auburn and Jordan-Hare and have come across with big victories. What do you make of the Nittany Lions going forward? And Nicholas Singleton, you mentioned, has been a tremendous addition to the roster as a true freshman, probably the best back in the country. I like where Penn State's headed right now. Yeah, I do too. Um, I don't know why everyone was so down on them entering the year. You know, Sean Clifford is who he is, but he's still a capable guy who's who's able to win games for you, and that's what you need. Kind of like we talked about with Tennessee, I think they're just blocked right now. I don't think they'll beat Ohio State, even though I know that's a home game. Um, Minnesota coming in is tough. I think they'll win that game, but it's tough. Then you got to play Michigan. So I'm not, I don't think that the, the Nittany Lions can come out of all that undefeated. I don't think they can come out of it with one loss. I think this is a two loss team, but still a very good team and could also contend for a New Year's Six Bowl as the Big Ten's third best team. Yeah, I like that comp to Tennessee. I think that is right on the money there. Um, James Franklin, he's had two down seasons. He's got him trending back in the right direction. I do think Sean Clifford is in the way of that program taking the next step back to where they were a few years ago. So we'll see how that all shakes out this season. He's the veteran quarterback. Got to stick with him unless something egregious happens. So they're going in the right direction. I just don't see them winning the big 10 this year either, but I can see them getting a New Year's six bowl and having 10 wins. Yep. That's spot on. North Carolina state's the last team I have on this list. And we'll couple this with it being a big weekend for Clemson all off season. You heard about Clemson not being able to win the ACC last year, North Carolina State being the team this year that would win the conference. And this is the put up or shut up week for NC State. Can they get over the hump and beat Clemson and establish themselves as a contender this season? Or are they the pretenders we think they are and they lose? This happens every single year. There's a team like Pitt or Utah or Oklahoma State. You know, that's not a traditional football powerhouse, but somehow finds their way into the top 15, top 10, top five, whatever. Doesn't make the playoff, finishes like 10 and two, and still is fine, but not that good. They're just good compared to what the school usually has. Um, So I say they are a pretender. Spot on. And one of the storylines heading around the season, we saw last week, Ohio State put up 50 plus points on Wisconsin. It's only the second time that's happened to Wisconsin since 2006. Both times it was from the Buckeyes. Is Ohio State the most dangerous team in the country right now, even without Jackson Smith and Jig with their top receiver? Yeah, I think they're for sure the second best team. I would take them in a game against Bama right now. 
Um, I don't know what would happen if they played Georgia. I, I really hope that game happens. I think it would be really fun to watch. Um, Ohio State's vaunted offense against Georgia's physical, intimidating defense. Um, that's the game I want to see. I hope that's the championship game. Um, Ohio State is scary. You know, they have seemed to figure out this defense. Um, and once they get some of the pieces back that they're missing, if Smith and Jigba comes back, they'll get some defensive uh, players back as well. I know they're very decimated at cornerback right now. Um, so once all that happens and Ohio State is really put together, um, you know, it seems like they have this thing figured out from whatever happened against Notre Dame. So uh, I'm very confident in the Buckeyes right now. I think they look really good, and I think they'll run the table, at least in the Big Ten. Yeah, it almost feels like what happened against Notre Dame was more of a game plan thing where so much of the game plan and everything heading into that game was surrounded and centered on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and his absence caused a, a mini panic of like, all right, what do we do now? we got to use the other guys. And I, that offense looks unbelievable so far. It's put up 77 points. It's put up over 50 against Wisconsin. I mean, they just score in avalanches. It's kind of like the Warriors in the NBA where you have yeah. to kind of stop their runs. If Ohio State is able to go on those quick scoring runs in those games, I mean, you have no chance if you can't score with them. I mean, it was 14-0 before Wisconsin blinked. It was over. Day. That game was then, over. As soon as, the, as soon as Ohio yeah. State got the interception on Wisconsin's first drive, yep. the game was over. It was over right then. And, I mean, you're a minute and a half into your first possession, and you're like, we have no shot. We're done. Yeah, it's that over. fast. <laughs> the team can bury you. I mean, that, to me, makes you the most dangerous team in the country because you can't recover from that avalanche. You are just buried under all the all the scoring. And, yeah, I like Ohio State over Alabama right now, and I think it really would be an intriguing matchup over Georgia. I, I wanted to see that game last year just because Ohio State had the best offense in the country and Georgia had that generational defense. But the more you look back on it, that offensive line wasn't ready for Georgia's defensive line. They would have gotten eaten alive. Correct. But this year, I think that's going to be quite the matchup if we end up getting that in the playoff or national championship. Yeah, some people really haven't talked about with Ohio State is the improvement of that offensive line. You know, last year they played four tackles, um, and I think that was really hard for them. You know, they had guys playing out of position. They weren't really a good run-blocking team. Um, this year they've been much better. Um, Trayvon Henderson and Maya Williams have both been great running the football. Luke Whippler has graded out as one of the highest centers. Uh, Paris Johnson has held down left tackle really well. The guards are good. And, of course, big DeWan Jones at right tackle. The Buckeyes offensive line has been good. And, you know, bringing in a new coach, Justin Fry, certainly doesn't hurt. He's been really good for him. Um, so I'm confident that Ohio State's weak links have been solved, corrected, and the Buckeyes are, are raring to go here the rest of the year, off and running. Yeah, you're spot on. The hire of Jim Knowles and the defense has gotten all the attention so far this year. We knew Ohio State's offense was going to be great, and the question marks were all along the defense. But I agree with you. Everyone's kind of forgotten about Justin Fry coming in and fixing that offensive line that was not able to control the line of scrimmage last year when it mattered the most. I mean, we saw it against Oregon and Michigan. They had no answer to being able to run the football. They just couldn't do it. They were getting outmanned and out-toughed every single game. And that, to me, has been the biggest difference in the Ohio State offense this year where the Buckeyes can score in avalanches because they can score however they want on anyone, it seems right now. And, I mean, the defense is, is playing well. It's great to see that. It answers all the questions you had. So now you can say Ohio State is a complete team. But to me, the offensive line's not getting enough love, and neither is Justin Fry. So I think you're spot on with that take. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's been really good for Ohio State all around. Um, Rutgers this week are favored by like 40 points. I don't know if they cover that. Um, but, you know, they'll be they're a fun team to watch, and I think it'll stay that way. 
I'm with you. You ready to get into some picks for week five here? Always. Let's do it. So first up, this is the worst place to play beside Purdue in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Michigan's going to Kinnick to play Iowa. The Wolverines are favored by 11. Now here's the caveat to this game. Iowa's unranked, and Michigan is a top five team, so we know what that means. Iowa's going to win the game. <laughs> They're five and one versus top five teams at home in the last six tries. Can Michigan escape Kinnick and the wave? Yes, I think Michigan wins big, actually. Um, I just don't think Iowa's that good, you know, unfortunately. You know, when they beat those top five teams, when they beat Ohio State, I think that was a much better Iowa team than the team that they'll have on Saturday uh, back in 2017. So um, I think that Michigan will win, and I think they'll cover. I like that. I, I was ready to take the bait. Once I saw that statistic that they're 5-1 and one in the last six tries, I was like, oh, great. Now I have to pick Iowa to at least cover. But Iowa wouldn't know offensive but slapped them in the face this year. And I think Michigan's offense is going to slap them in the face. I like them. I like Michigan to win by two touchdowns. Yeah. Michigan big this week. Yeah. So Kentucky goes to the Grove playing Ole Miss. Rebels are favored by six and a half. The lane train quietly has the Rebels nearing the top 10 and a, could be a potential threat in the SEC West. Who wins and by how many here? I like Ole Miss to win and cover. Um, Kentucky didn't look good last week. It didn't look good at all. Um, I think Ole Miss will, will beat them pretty good. Um, you know, good story for Kentucky. I just don't think that they're, you know, as, as good as everyone's made them out to be. Um, I got the the Rebels in this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss covers as well. Lane Kiffin's doing a great job down there. Uh, they really haven't skipped too much of a beat without Matt Corral this year. I like the Rebels to win as well. Uh, going back to the Big 12 here, we've got Oklahoma State traveling to Waco, playing Baylor. The Bears are favored by two and a half. You like the Bears to cover here? I do. I do like the Bears to cover. I think they're the more talented team right now. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, always solid, always going to give you a good game, but I like the Bears by more than two and a half. I'm with you. Yeah, as, as I was looking at these picks and putting them on the board for you, I was like, man, this is going to be the week of covers, and here we are. We're going to say we have a cover in each of the first three picks here. I'm with you. I think Baylor covers the two and a half, and they win by – I think they can win by 10 here being at home. Yep, I agree. Yeah, so here's Wake Forest. They're coming off a tough loss to Clemson last week. It was a shootout. Sam Hartman really played well and carved up that Clemson secondary. It was burnt toast all second half. They're going to Tallahassee to play Florida State. The Seminoles are favored by seven. You like the Seminoles to cover here? I do. I think it'll be a little bit of a letdown game for Wake Forest. They played really well and still lost. Um, and I think that kind of that kind of wears on you. You know, you had a chance to get that marquee win. Now you got to go play a talented Florida State team. I like the Knowles. Yeah, I see that too. I was looking at that emotional letdown. I think that's spot on again. Florida State's going to win this game. I think they can win it by double digits. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Now, that's not to say Wake Forest can't win. I actually like them. You know, I think they're a talented team, but I think the emotional letdown will just be too much. Yeah, I'm on the same I'm on the same wavelength with you. Sam Hartman, he's played well. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC, and they can certainly go in and walk away with this game. But I just – I see it as the emotional letdown. I think Florida State's going to be up for this because this is going to be their game where, you know, we always say, is Texas back? Well, here's the game where is Florida State back? They're going to get this big win and then head into Clemson and NC State with a puffy chest. And speaking of NC State, they go to Clemson this week. Tigers favored by six and a half. You alluded to this pick earlier in the show. I'll just let you recount your steps there. 
Yeah, it's a shame I'm picking all the favorites to win and cover, but I'm doing it again. I got Clemson big. I think they went by three touchdowns. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get burnt here on all these. We agree on every single pick. I think it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had a great start to September, but I think Clemson does cover this number. Uh, this this is that game. They've been hearing about NC State all year long. This is that put up or shut up week, like I said, for NC State. And I think they're going to have to shut up because I know Dave Doran's done a good job over there. I just don't I don't see them going into Clemson and winning that game, especially in that Death Valley environment at night. Clemson, Clemson by double digits. Yeah, Dabo's got his boys rolling down there. DJ's played a lot better. Uh, they got some talented skill players on the outside. Um, and, you know, the defense struggled last week, but if there's any solace there, they can't play any worse. Um, so I think Clemson wins and wins, wins big. Yeah, I'm with you. One last thing I want to have tonight. We hinted at this earlier. What do you think of a playoff where it's Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, and Georgia? It doesn't need to be in that order. But two Big Ten and two SEC teams, would that be likely to you after what you've seen so far? I don't think it's likely. Um, I think it would really be hard for the committee to put in two teams from two same conferences. Um, it'd be fun. You know, that'd be great. You know, hopefully there'd be a first round matchup of a big 10 team versus an SEC team uh, in both games. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't hate seeing a rematch either just a couple of weeks after the original. So uh, it's possible. Uh, I think it'd be more likely that Alabama and Georgia make it than Ohio state, Michigan, just because uh, the loser of Ohio state, Michigan, probably will not go to the Big Ten Championship game. Um, and whereas, you know, Bama and Georgia are likely to both make the SEC Championship game. Um, so I think that that kind of hurts the chances of those four teams making it overall. But I could certainly see three of them in any combination. Um, and it would be really fun to watch if it did happen. Yeah, I think that would be a ratings galore. And maybe that's the last ever installment of the four-team playoff. And I think that would live up to all the hype and then some if yeah. we had those four teams in there. I agree with you. I can definitely see three of those teams making it. Although I wouldn't be surprised to see the fourth. And I think that could be one of the likely scenarios, but I do think around the country, you'd have to have a 2007-esque season unfold everywhere else but those four teams where conference champions all have two losses. And then it kind of forces the committee's hand to put in those four teams. Yeah, you know, you hope that it gets there. I don't think it will, uh, but I'd be rooting for it, so... Good luck to all the teams involved because that'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. But yeah, Dave, that's all I've got for tonight. That was a great show. Excited for the week ahead. And we'll see if the week it covers actually, if they all cover. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I'm sure that we'll get burned on at least one. So interesting to see which one that'll be and uh, which team can kind of rise to the occasion here. So fun week ahead. Looking forward to it. And uh, we'll do this again next week. Yeah, it better not be Iowa that burns us. But uh, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. This has been the Saturday Kittens podcast. Be a friend, tell a friend, help us get the word out here. Uh, continue to like and rate the show. We appreciate your viewership.